Welcome to the Spirit of 76 podcast, Pink Panther Edition. The purpose of these series of interviews is to let the incoming class, current cadets, and recent grads learn about what the zoo was like a half century ago and how a bunch of grad geezers cope with the stress, or at least how our unique spirit-focused squadron did. We also hope to share some success stories uh, during our and after our cadet days that you can uh, apply to your upcoming adventures. First up is FDIC attorney Steve Press, uh, one of my many Air Force roommates and a, and a longtime friend. Well, hey, uh, thanks for doing this. This is uh, the kind of the guinea pig first run of this thing. Um, Somehow that seems appropriate. <laughs> Yeah, let's let's be enthusiastic and, and fired up like normal, right? So the there'll be several topics we'll, we'll chat about today, but the first one uh, I wanted to ask you is, what was your earliest memory of being a Pink Panther? And it's kind of interesting. The earliest memory of becoming a Pink Panther, I can remember thinking they won. Awesome. It's a cool patch. Second one was, wow, that's in the new dorm, because I was an old dorm guy my first year. Third thought was, that's even a further jaunt from the athletic fields. <laughs> uh, and, and I didn't realize where the squadron was in the new dorm. Uh, otherwise, I would have realized it was about as far or even a bit further uh, than 20 was uh, from uh, the athletic uh, or from the academic Fairchild. But those were just kind of your first memories when you hear about it. Yeah. Uh, the first memories of being a Pink Panther was probably when I, you know, first met my first roommate, Tommy T. Wyman. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, and... I'm sure he hasn't changed much, maybe added a few pounds. But when you first met Tommy T, you meet a, uh, someone who has a big smile on his face and definitely had the Nebraska Cornhusker type hair. Yeah. Uh, and, and it was just uh, a kind of a neat experience. He was a cool guy. Uh, and I was already uh, happy to be in a new squadron. And so away we went. So I'm I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but do you were you one of the twenty of us that got uh, behind the curve academically that first semester? <laughs> no, no, the first semester actually, I started the other way. I actually had gone through our flight uh, between my first and second year because I had decided I needed to spend a lot of time on Chinese to make sure I passed the damn course uh, and decided I didn't really need to study math because I could always do math. <laughs> and uh, that didn't work out as well as I expected. Uh, so I spent my first uh, leave going through our flight. Uh, and so I was all ready for the second year, so I was actually on Dean's list uh, first semester in Pink Panthers. So you went from you went from dual year where you were struggling to our flight to Dean's list. Yes, <laughs> uh, and and I think it was just because of the, the competition I had in the Pink Panthers. Well, yeah, we were. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 
that's cool. That's interesting. So now I know it's been a, a long-term, uh, lifelong thing to, to be thrilled about being a pink. I'm curious what it means to you today, 50 years later. You know, the pride that we had in our squadron, and I don't know if it was, and, and I'm going to say truly, part of it was we were the Bicentennial Boys. We were the spirit of 76. We are the spirit of 76. And even our first cheer when we rushed the hill and started yelling spirit of 76, it was real and it was powerful. And the history of the country, as well as being there, all was special. And, you know, the Pink Panthers just amped that up another level. There, there was a reason why our senior year they had to take some people out of our squadron and put them into other squadrons because we didn't lose anybody. Yeah. yeah. And it wasn't because we didn't have folks with academic issues or military issues or conduct issues. We did. But we all stuck together. We all hung out together. We all cared about each other. And, and I think that's still true today to some extent. Even after people left that place with, you know, your normal memory of I survived and thank God and uh, a middle finger salute and away we went, we still took pride in having survived and having been pink. And the memories that kept us going at, at the academy and believing in ourselves were the fact that we – forge friendships and friendships that are still there 50 years later. You, you mentioned something about the country and, and that era since it's been 50 years. What, what do you remember about uh, the, the Academy cadets uh, in the seventies and how we were re received outside the, outside the compound? Well, that was probably another thing that made us closer was <laughs> outside the compound. We were kind of not, uh, uh, looked unfavorably by the local population, or at least not as favorably as we would have thought. Um, it was not, it was more of a, you know, the a Vietnam War was unpopular, and we were in the military, so we were unpopular. Uh, and it was, you know, you went to other college campuses, and you had much shorter hair than everybody else because everybody else had long hair. And it, it was a thing uh, to be uh, against the war and against uh, the military. And so people were, without knowing you or knowing anything about you, just because it was cool to be that way. So, you know, it helped us, I think, stay even closer uh, together because we had to rely in, about on each other more. But on the other hand, you know, I don't think we were, at least I was never fearful uh, of being away from campus. I mean, they may not have liked us, but, you know, I think for the most part, uh, it wasn't like we weren't safe for anything. It was just, you know, you weren't going to get most of the most of the young ladies weren't going to go out with you. <laughs> no, we weren't. We weren't attracting anything like that. Um, so, okay. So that, that's cool. That tells me that um, the class and the squadron held us all together. Now, 50 years later, people seem to like Colorado and, and uh, <laughs> a lot of guys go back and retire there. I still can't get wrap my head around that concept, but uh, um, 
what what uh what got you to the academy in the first place? Oh, why did I go there? Yeah, like what was what was where'd you where'd you grow up and all that kind of stuff? Well, I grew up in the Midwest, so we moved around a bit. Uh, but you know, I would say I was in actually funny story. I actually got a nomination from both Ohio and Michigan. Wow. Uh, because we moved my seat right before my senior year, and on advice of my liaison officer in Michigan, where I moved, I was uh, did not uh, inform the folks in Ohio, so they nominated me as well as Michigan, and then I turned down the Ohio nomination because I took the Michigan one. <laughs> uh, but when I grew up there, you know, my dad was in the military or had been in the military in World War II. My grandfather had been in the military in World War One, so it wasn't like it wasn't a positive thought. And uh, one of the times when I had broken my ankle uh, and I was restricted to not going home over uh, uh, in elementary school, uh, which which we did at lunchtime, uh, I would go to the library, and one of the books I read was Saber Jet Ace, the wow. McConnell story. <laughs> and it was fabulous. And I got all geeked on the Air Force uh, right then and there. Uh, and then they had a big article about the Air Force Academy in the local, you know, like village paper or whatever it was. Uh, and I read that. And the liaison officer happened to be on my paper route. <laughs> <laughs> so I asked him about it. He gave me a handbook. That was all because I was, you know, seventh grade at that time uh and i wrote my congressman right then uh i can remember my folks saying why did you get a letter back from the congressman <laughs> <laughs> they didn't know i did it uh and i said well i'm interested in the air force academy and my folks were supportive but uh it really went back to like when i was in fifth grade and read saber jet ace cool so now uh, I know from intramurals you were a great athlete. Were you a great athlete in high school? Well, great athlete, again, is a relative term. Uh, well, I'm, and... I'm comparing you to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like every other kid. We had a, you know, compared to Texas where I now live, in Texas you'll have a, a class and the class will have 2,400 kids in it. Uh, my whole high school had twelve hundred kids in it. <laughs> okay. So, so if you're in a if you're in a class of three or four hundred, and you're even semi-athletic, you're starting on the football team, you're starting on the baseball team, you're starting on the track team, you're pretty much doing whatever you want to do. Uh, and I was fortunate enough that uh, I had had good speed and so if you were fast uh, as well that just made you stand out a bit more well you're also pretty violent as i remember well that was because someone had told me once when i was a young football player that if i would hit the other person harder than they would hit me then they would probably be injured more than i would be and so <laughs> i took that to heart <laughs> and it worked for you <laughs> I'll never forget the, you and I playing the intramural eight-man tackle football at the academy, and I you were the linebacker that was basically 
roaming the field, wiping every ball the ball carriers out. <laughs> I was just up there trying to absorb blockers for you. That was pretty cool. Nah, I think we, again, we, as everything else, we had the team approach on that. And uh, I think even then where we had our little fake, uh, where I would fake going in the hole on one side, then loop around you the other side. Once they figured that out, they'd all go for me and then you'd get through. <laughs> well, I, I well, loved our, our communication where you would, <laughs> you'd tap me on the fanny saying the direction you were going and then you would hop around behind me and scream yeah. all these signals and... <laughs> They, it was all based on the fanny tap. It had nothing to do with all the other yeah. crap going on. It was, that was always pretty comical. But, uh, you know, I think that's one of the things we, we had fun with is, you, you know, even things like that was more psychological. Uh, we were using all of our tools, not just our physical ones, to, yep. to try to win. And against guys who were as competitive as we were. Uh, yeah, I think – one of the things that was probably disappointing about the academy was when we got there, the coach was Ben Martin. For football. Uh, yeah, and our our favorite cheer, of course, was Fire Ben, Big Blue Fire <laughs> Ben. Yeah, that was that was amongst our favorite cheer. <laughs> and and one of the things that I remember was that Ben Martin did not recruit you, and you might as well not go out for the football team. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and when we had 92% of our class that had lettered in football, it just seemed goofy when, you know, national powers like Nebraska were getting starters off of their walk-ons. It would have seemed like we could have gotten a few starters off of ours. Well, let's circle back real quick to uh, showing up at the academy. So, so you get your appointment. Was that Did that go smoothly for you? Um, I guess as smoothly as, as an appointment can be, I can remember my liaison officer calling me up and, uh, Colonel Lundberg, and he was just a great guy. In fact, he moved out to the Academy when we were out there, uh, or, or out to Colorado and retired. Uh, and he said, Steve, do you want to know the good news and the bad news? <laughs> the bad news and I said, uh, give me the bad news. And he said, you're not going to the prep school. And I knew at that point that I was going to the academy. So it was pretty exciting. That's great. That's great. So you're the guy that found Lundberg for everybody. Yes, I am. Cool. Was there, were there any other uh, Michigan guys that he uh, followed up? Uh, I, uh, the only other Michigan guy we had was Ron Barron. So, so you found Lundberg and then because of Wyman's connection, that's how you guys got to be buddies with those guys. With who? With the Lundbergs? Yeah. No, Wyman learned about Lundberg through me. That's what I mean. That, that's yeah. what I was trying to say. Yeah, yes. and then we, uh, yeah, because, and that was because Ed and CJ, and CJ was his wife, they were just so nice. They were more than happy to be kind of ad hoc hosts for us at any and all times, yeah. giving us a little bit of a breather. And we all loved their, you know, they had such an awesome house in Black Forest. That's about the yeah. only one back then. Now it's all built up, I guess. Oh, yeah, but it was pretty awesome. So it was kind of fun to be on top of the mountain looking out. Well, I remember going over there just a couple times because I've seen always being, you know, doing academic stuff. But um, they, that was always really, really nice and pleasant. Uh, it would have been it would have been better if I could have spent more time over there, but I, I couldn't peel away. Well, Ed, Ed had a cool backstory as well. He uh, 
he grew up in Nebraska and he learned to fly like when he was 16. And when World War II broke out and, you know, the Canadian forces were, of course, fighting well before us because they were part of the British Empire at the time. He actually went to Canada and started flying with the Canadians, and he was flying Spitfires against the Germans. Wow. Uh, and, and, in fact, he and a 100 other uh, American flyers came back after Pearl Harbor or after a special act of Congress to give them back their U.S. citizenship because they had to become Canadian citizens to do that. To renounce, yeah, yeah. And they brought them back and made them instructor pilots immediately. Yeah, Because <laughs> sure. they, they all had real, real war experience. Well, that's cool that they were able to bend, be flexible enough to let those guys come back. Yeah, and smart enough to say we need them. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, for uh, people listening in, uh, what was your freshman year like at the zoo? Uh, freshman year was, uh, I think like most freshman years, it's just a whirlwind. You're, uh, you know, we had the fun experience of, uh, having to learn how to use a slide rule for those who had never done so. <laughs> the last group uh, to get to that, that experience. Yeah. yeah. And I was one of those. And so I got to learn how to use it. Uh, we were doing things like taking, as I mentioned earlier, odd languages like Chinese instead of just doing German or Spanish, something that would have been a bit easier for me anyway, because uh, I don't have any natural talent in language. And some would say I don't even have a natural talent in English, but that's a different story. And that's why you're an attorney. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Make words do whatever you want them to do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, so you just go ahead and, you know, we had a good squadron. Uh, I was on the uh, fencing team my freshman year. Uh, you were so, on the jog ramps? Oh, yeah. And, and see, that was a, a deliberate act on my part uh, because I had heard, you know, again, like everybody else, I heard jock ramps were easier. And since I also knew that trying out for football was not probably a good idea. Uh, I figured out that there weren't any fencers in the class that I had just as good a chance to make a net team as anybody else. And, and I also knew that the fencing season was not just in the winter, but in the summer or in the, in the spring as well. So I, uh, got my JV letter in fencing my freshman year. Well, good for you. I didn't even know we had a fencing team. <laughs> <laughs> the, it's not the, something we get on the damn chalk ramps. That was, that yeah, was... the, yeah, the coach was actually a, a legendary Olympian from uh, Hungary. Oh, and he sure. was, yeah, and he was great. Some superstar guy. Just, <laughs> I, was, I tried out for the pistol team and didn't quite make a, the last cut. Uh, I suffered on the regular tables the whole dual year. So... Yeah. Going back to uh, rolling in the thirty-six, what uh, what was your first uh, spirit prank memory? Ah, uh, prank memories. Well, or so, so, what 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 do you remember about you know doing things that were not according to the uh, the rules and regulations, but we sure had a lot of fun doing. You know, I can remember every you know all kinds of weird things, but you know they come and go and gasp because you know while back but i do remember that you know just the 
you know, we were competitive in pranks. <laughs> I mean, goofy as it is, I remember how our squad and usually freshmen get together to, you know, paint signs for football and stuff like that. And everyone would give up a bed sheet. So you would put, you know, 30 bed sheets together. God knows how we ever did that. And you'd paint pink panthers on them or something. Well, that was a freshman thing, except for in our class where we did it as, as sophomores too. And juniors and seniors. Yeah. And so never, never ended. Uh, and so that was, you know, you remember that as a group effort, but I remember we would be competitive in things like mooning each other of all damn things uh, or double mooning each other. Or again, I, or when, <laughs> when we, when our classmates double mooned uh, a general, uh, yeah. the general happened to be another cadet's dad, but at the same time, uh, that that could have been disastrous, but was not. Thank God he had a sense of humor. Well, you know, it wasn't just one general. Yeah, I know. It was it was two two four star general, <laughs> chief of staff, and his aide. And uh, that was that was I got that I'm, I'm gonna have that story from the horses or from yeah, the, horse, yeah, from the, yeah, from it, the mouth it, of the guy who did the moon. Yeah, because it was epic. <laughs> uh, but but it wasn't but that was not the intent, of course. The intent was to nail one of our own classmates. <laughs> yeah, because that's exactly uh what we did. But it was also learning uh you know you know, just goofy pranks and you know our our third rate year, of course, were CCQ. And so you'd pull gags on the CCQ or the CCQ would be, you know, most of the time you were the blunt of gags pulled on you from people piling up Coke bottles uh, or whatever. It was half the fun. Did you ever, uh, did you ever have any stories of the buffer Friday night buffering? <laughs> the floors? Uh, the buffering wars. This is again before uh, before carpets ruled at the yeah, academy. Yeah, yeah. This this is we all, people hearing this are going to think, "Oh my God!" Yeah, we, we they they drag you know books across no. miles of broken glass to get to the. <laughs> yeah, well, it was just you know we had floors that could be polished, and so if they could be polished, and they were expected to be polished. And the only way to do that was to buy shoe polish. Well, I don't even know what we bought. Shoe polish or some stuff. Like some floor wax crap. Yeah, floor wax. And you'd put it on fire yeah, so it would it. melt yeah. so you could drip it on the floor. And then you had to hopefully get control of the buffer. Uh, because, again, there was only like one or two buffers and the entire world wanted them because everyone needed to do this. Uh, and then you would, you know, do your floor but of course because there were two of them and you could get two of them there was no reason not to have buffer fights <laughs> fun with buffers <laughs> uh and just try to try to do stupid things with buffers as well as do your floors and of course that would piss off the people that then were waiting for the buffer to get a floor but you know those were just duallys at that point so one of the things that I most remember about you at the Academy was your ability to be on good intramural teams. Well, that was because we had a bunch of fools in the squadron, just like me and just like you, who, you know, intramurals kind of were a way of just, when we were playing intramurals, it was an escape. It was another chance just to sit there and blow off some steam and to, give our chance 
to, to have some fun. And it didn't even matter how you got on the team. Once you were on that team, you were on that team. And so just for like a fun story, uh, my second go, our third class year, I was on the boxing team. I didn't really necessarily want to want to be on the boxing team. I didn't volunteer to be on the boxing team. <laughs> yeah. uh, but between our first go and our second go, uh, when uh, I got moved uh, from my uh, room to a room where the first classmen had uh, already occupied, and uh, Lloyd Sauls, who was our athletic director, and Chuck Howell. Uh, were in that room before us. Well, you know, nice guys, one from Oklahoma and one from Texas, but not necessarily uh, the folks that kept the room as clean as it needed to be. And so we knew we were going to have an inspection on Monday morning, and so we wanted to get in. Uh, and we went by, had our stuff outside because we had to vacate our room ASAP, and at around, oh, 5.30, 6 30, 7 o'clock on Sunday, half the stuff was still in the room, so we couldn't get in or do anything. So I happened to be wandering by the TV room, which, of course, we weren't necessarily allowed in it that much. And there's Lloyd, Lloyd watching some something on TV. And so I walked in, and I said, you know, when are you going to move your stuff out of uh, our room so we can move in? Probably not as artful as I should have said it to a first <laughs> student at the time. And, Lo and Lloyd just looked at me and said, uh, Mr. Press, my stuff is out of the room. Oh, dear God. Uh, it was all, of course, Chuck Howells. Uh, and since Lloyd was athletic director, I was on the boxing team. But the good news was, yeah, we ended up winning wing championship and uh, – uh, I found out that all that work when I was a, a fencer where basically when you're a right-handed fencer, you become a left-handed boxer uh, worked out for me since I had, I had a left-handed stance, but I still had power in my right hand, which kind of threw people off. So I need to let the audience know that most boxing intramural teams at the Academy were comprised of duallys freshmen that didn't really want to, have to do this this uh, pugilistic uh, uh, sport after the PE class. They took where they got their brains beat in, then they had to go <laughs> fight each other and other squadrons. And we were one of the rare squadrons that had upperclassmen on the boxing team because we wanted to win athletic points. And yeah. Steve was classic because he mowed down everybody he fought that year. I don't think anybody even laid a glove on him. We would, go to, we would go after, I was on the water polo team, we'd go after our water polo matches to see how the boxing guys were doing. And usually Steve would be uh, one of the latter guys. I'm not sure how they, how they sequence it, but he would, I seem to see him fight a lot. And it was always very, very funny that before the, the match would start, they would do the, the, the two guys go to your corners, we're going to ring the bell, and Steve would grab the ropes and start snarling and, and pawing his feet like he was a wild boar. And the uh, poor kid in the corner on the other side would be like, what is going to happen here? And when the bell would ring, Steve would just let go of the rope and run across the ring and start foiling on these guys. And he, they'd just be done in like 30, 40 seconds. It was very, very impressive. 
Yeah, I, I don't remember any of this. <laughs> this was this was a violent part of Steve that doesn't come across in the in an interview like this. <laughs> that that was great. That, that that showed the real true Pink Panther spirit at the academy. Just gonna gonna maul them if they if they get if they show any kind of backbone. <laughs> or, or just the insanity that if we can again try to intimidate you because we knew that we could not fight you otherwise, uh, we'll we'll try to psych you out. Uh, uh, but, you know, I think part of the fact that, you know, at the time of the Pink Panther, we also had the movies out and we, oh, had, the, and we have the song. And so, you know, we had a little bit of the cool going on just because of that. Well, I do um, recall the competitive nature of the uh, the spirit pranks. You know, you're talking about the signs yeah. and, and the posters and, and stuff. And one of the the clever things that somebody came up with was a, a stencil of a paw print. And we'd always leave a pink paw print in paint, and they could wash it off if they had to. But it would be a paw print at the end of at the base of whatever cockamamie thing we had done. And I distinctly remember being uh, warned that if there were any more pranks pulled on the academy grounds with with uh, evidence pointing back to the Pink Panthers, that the squadron would be uh, restricted for for an indefinite amount of time. And uh, the next weekend, the guys down in the Hall of Fortieth squad and grabbed the paw print and some pink paint and started doing crap. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> see if they could get us suspended. <laughs> uh, I also think some of us went down into the tunnels and put paw prints, just saying, "Find us." Uh, but <laughs> yeah. I never went to the tunnels. That's cool. <laughs> you, you, did you go to the tunnels a bunch? Not a bunch. I should have gone more. I, you know, there's things, you know, you wish you had done more just because why, why did you just take their word? You shouldn't go there. Well, I, I yeah. was so nervous about getting in any further trouble. I didn't, I never, I don't even know where the tunnels start or end. Yeah. I think they've sealed most of them off, but you could, I, I think you could get into fair trial and you could get all the way down to part of the athletic complex. I think I never went that far. So, intramurals and academics and the military stuff. Um, do you remember any any fun things like uh, uh, concerts or or sporting events or you know? <laughs> well, also want to say you know just a shout out. Uh, we were also rugby runner ups two years in a row. My last two years, so we didn't win it, but we got into the championship game and had our shot. So yeah, yeah. You know, we they just want to make sure people knew we were competitive in that. I think we also got into the semifinals in football our 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 senior year, and the next year the Pink Panthers did win the football uh, championship. Yeah, I remember we got in the playoffs in the football. Yeah, yeah, and so that's the semifinal. So that was pretty good. Uh, so we were competitive in that. The concerts, you know. Another goofy thing, I was I had always spent that time working on my academics. I never really went to any of the concerts. Uh, I remember talking to people after the concerts, and they always loved them. Um, well, this is why you did so good, and I did so bad. <laughs> I, went, I went to everything that I could get to. <laughs> and, and the only concert I remember that was really had people – Geeked up uh, the most, I thought, was when Tina Turner and and Ike, Ike and Tina Turner was was a big concert that came through for us. Yeah, that was a big one. Uh, but I, I really never went to them, so I, I'm not the guy to speak on that. Okay. But uh, as far 
but I can remember one of the pranks where we almost got in trouble and didn't get in trouble is when we was, we went to the football uh, stadium because uh, we were. Uh, were you with me that night? <laughs> oh, I was. If <laughs> uh, it's the yeah. same, but but that was the time. You know, again, this is. I don't even know why we thought this was going to be a cool thing, but when you look at the stadium from the highway, you can see the Air Force. Uh, and we had decided that for some reason we were going to, well, the reason why was because we were going to have women come the next year. And it wasn't that we didn't think it was a good thing. We kind of did, but we just thought we'd make a statement or we'd be goofy. We were going to make the O into the male sex symbol. Right. Put a um, or something like and uh, that didn't work out so well for us, but we didn't really get in any trouble. We just got to run, run, run fast. <laughs> yeah, I think we got. I think we got the the security guys coming after us before we even got the paint out of the can open. Not, at the, yeah, not, not even close. Yeah. We, yeah, lights came on, and we were going, "What the hell? Get out! Run!" Who triggered the alarm? <laughs> Yeah, it was. Yeah, that was indicative of some of the stuff we we tried to do stuff like that. Yeah, and and, and you know we had other things where we did as a squadron, and you know one of my favorite memories was actually an anti an anti prank was, uh, and you will remember this very well as well as when we decided the moon command post and streaking was a thing in college campuses at the time and. There was no reason we shouldn't do it, too. So we thought this would be a good idea. Uh, and it blew off steam. And honestly, at our place, there was no women. So it was probably even easier to do uh, than not. But as I recall, uh, the time we did that, they were training the ATO women down at the, the, uh, the dorm near the command post. Um, I'm sure they were. And that's probably one of the reasons why we had. Well, I don't know. I, I don't think it was our senior year. So I don't think that. Maybe well, we did our, well, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was our junior. Maybe they were coming. Yeah. I don't know. They were coming, but they weren't there yet. So I don't think they were on campus. But I do remember that when we moved command post and we did it successfully. Yeah. And then, and then command post was not necessarily close to our squadron or about as far away as possible. Kitty corner across. The yeah. <laughs> and so getting back was always going to be the trick. Uh, but they weren't really, you know, they had people scattering every di different way to get back and no one was really out patrolling or doing anything. So it wasn't going to be, you know, it was going to be odd if you ran into anything. But when we got back there, damned if uh, the air patrol wasn't marching around outside of uh, 36 and the way into 36. And we were going, what the hell? How did they know? And we all tried to figure out how we were going to get in between the patrol so we could get back and not be naked in the morning. And yeah, not get busted in our skinny. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I can remember uh, going down an extra floor and hiding in a freshman alcove near the stairwell and waiting five minutes to run up and make sure that I could get past the guards uh, just to sneak into my room. Uh, so it took me an extra, you know, five minutes after getting back and then felt lucky. And my roommate wasn't quite as back yet, 
they got back about 15 minutes later. And then I heard other folks had a, had a little longer time to get back. And I'll let you speak about that, Mr. Hope. Well, I, yeah, I, that, that's a story from, for my portion of this, but yeah, basically. Exactly. Spent, that's why I would just let it go. My skivvies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but, back but, the next morning. But, but the bet, yeah. And there's a, and there's a building there now. Uh, but the best part of the story was it was not the air patrol. It was our own classmates who had begged off at the last minute, had taken their, a jackets and reversed them and made them shiny, put on their parade white belts, and they pranked us. Yeah, they got us with the anti-streak. Uh, deal. And, that was and, and, and it was and it was so good that the next morning I I just I could only applaud them. It was you couldn't you couldn't get mad. It was so good. No, it was it was the it was classic, and the best part was it wasn't serious for us. Yeah, it, yeah. It, we, we, we got pranked by our own buddies, which is great. Good job, fellas. Yeah. Thank God it wasn't the real air police. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, and it was it was so well done. It was great. And, and it also showed we were so paranoid that we actually believed it at first. <laughs> yeah. Well, flashlights and white hats coming down the hall, man. You're, you're oh, yeah. It, it was, again, it was brilliant. Uh, but that's, again, it kind of shows you just the fun things we would do even to ourselves. We weren't, a, you know, it wasn't pranks against necessarily other squadrons or uh, other classes. It was all self-contained half the time. So speaking of self-contained and, and doing it to ourselves, were you part of the infamous Bert Alvarez uh, Christmas party with the enchiladas? I was not. Uh, I... I I did not go to that either. I think I had the duty that weekend, but uh, yeah. That, so that'll be for another another topic. That, that'll be that'll be for other folks to explain, or or if I if I was part of that, I I don't remember. Uh, the part I was part of on that was I was part of the cleanup crew in my room, because my roommate, I think of, I can't remember who it was at the time, but they had imbibed in this stuff and they were running down the hall, puking and barfing and. Yeah. Diary yeah. everywhere. It was we've got basically got food poisoning. The whole squad got quarantined for a weekend, which was a premonition of the modern day. <laughs> yeah, the way to phrase that. No, I. You know the. You know we we had two AO you know air officer commanding that were less than memorable. Well, uh, they're memorable, it, but not in the way they wanted to. Yeah, they didn't inspire us to be, you know, it was just the opposite. You went, God, if they can be Air Force officers, anybody here can be an Air Force officer. Yeah, that, that reminds me of the question we got asked when we did that uh, uh, little interview recently with some of the cadets of, yeah. you know, what leaders did we admire? And I, and I, <laughs> I felt like saying, I, I, I think we properly answered that we didn't really run into any leaders that that they would be impressed with i think the people that most impressed me though as leaders in my military career were my peer group you you guys and some other guys i i was peers with nobody above me or below me really but guys that i was equal to or or, or at least ranked equal to they were some of the best leaders yeah i mean you know i didn't run into anybody uh you found out again, you know, I was only in the Air Force for five years. So 
uh, I'm not the guy to ask that question to anyway, because uh, I wasn't running into anybody who was leading anybody other than <laughs> themselves. Uh, but the folks that we ran into at the academy, for whatever reason, uh, compared to the people they had replaced, they just weren't up to the task. Yeah, they 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 were they were plain vanilla. It wasn't that they were bad people. They didn't, you know, you wouldn't look at them and just say, you know, they should be shot or anything. It just, they just didn't inspire you in any way. Well, I think a lot of times true leadership is exposed to adversity. And I think when things are normal and, and peaceful and, and, you know, rolling right along without a lot of adversity, then there's no real need for the, the true leadership to pop out. Yeah, but difference in management and leadership. And I know that in the business world, they're always getting those two topics confused in their heads. And I, and I just laugh when I see people thinking that they're being great leaders when they're just managers. Well, yeah, but it was even like one of the things that, you know, again, our class, and it wasn't my idea. So I'll give pure credit to Paul Prang or Jorgensen or whoever came up with it. Maybe you, sir. Uh, but it was to paint the AOC's office pink. Oh, that was, we were sophomores. That was yeah. of our pay grade when they came up with that idea. Yeah, but whoever came up with the idea, it was brilliant. Uh, and it was a fantastic prank. Um, and, and, of course, we did have some artists in the class that could, you know, execute the finer details versus just painting it pink, but adding, you know, pink escaping through the ceiling. <laughs> Well, they had the yeah the panther on one wall holding a paintbrush with dro yeah. drops dripping down, smiling. <laughs> on the other three walls, it was pink paint. Yeah. The best part I thought was the little square in the ceiling. Then they yeah. gone to the hardware store and and put a little handle and painted it like it was a trap door. That yeah. that was the best. <laughs> yeah, and so here's this brilliant prank, and you would have thought that the AOC would have felt the love that had to be there to do that because it, it was an act of love as much as anything else. Yeah. Yeah. And no, no, it was just the exact opposite. Uh, and I, it was little things like that that really disappointed me because, you know, that's something that should still be in that office today. Yeah. Yeah. As, as a, as just an example of connect ingenuity and humor. And humor and, and, and the fact that that's the Pink Panther AOC office, apparently, right? Yeah. Doggone it. No, no I, think, I think we all ended up having to paint it over within a week. I'm not even sure it was that much. Uh, but it was just, just and, and it was like, that was some of the times you went and you wished that the place had just a little bit more sense of humor or a sense of understanding that this was not a malicious act and this is kind of cool, but no, uh, that did not happen. Well, I think, uh, okay. The, one other thing I wanted to ask you before we start to get to the wrap up phase is, uh, did you do third Lieutenant and where'd you go? I did do third Lieutenant and I did third Lieutenant right by you McCord air force base. Oh yeah. Uh, and that was a deliberate choice at that point in time. Unfortunately, um, we had two things going on at the academy. When I got there, I was right on the edge of whether I was going to be pilot qualified or not. 
My eyes were suspect, but they had told me that they could probably get me into, quote, corrective contacts <laughs> and make me pilot qualified. Well, that might have been true if we had had a need for pilots. But at that, at the end of my time at the academy, that need had expired when the war had ended. Uh, and so they were tightening up on uh qualifications not making them easier yeah and so uh i was not going to be a pilot i was we didn't really need navs anymore or for the most part because we were getting rid of those positions uh and so i knew that the only chance i was going to get out and see the world was if i got to a, a a mac base so i could get around and record seemed as good as any did you get around Oh, I had a great time. We went, uh, I think I was only on base three or four days. <laughs> uh, we were there in the three or four days I was there. It was actually bright, sunny days every single day in the summer. Pacific Northwest. It was great. Summer in Seattle, yep. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we then took off and we hit Hawaii, Guam, Japan, South Korea, the Philippines, or Japan, Philippines, Japan, Alaska, Japan, back uh, back to Seattle and back to Colorado. Wow, cool! So I had a great time. Got to see a lot. Uh, bought myself a camera in Japan. Uh, uh, I remember learning about the Five Aces Club, uh, and in when we were we went to Yokota in Japan, and couldn't understand why there were all these women had were members of the five aces club which is basically a drinking game where they give you dice and if you roll five aces you buy the entire bar around yeah uh and it was because during vietnam all the uh people coming over on planes they were all commercial uh, planes and they stopped at Yakota and all the flight attendants would go into the bar and drink with everybody and so all the females that were listed as members of the Five Aces Club had rolled Five Aces <laughs> there you go yeah and then uh, so you didn't get to be a pilot you ended up in uh, missiles yeah that led you to your career well it was a start I was already doing pre-law stuff at the academy, I took uh, all the law courses I could take uh, for the most part. Uh, and uh, missiles, uh, I don't know, I do not, I will say this to everybody out there who's at the academy now, I do not recommend it. Uh, if it's for you, I'm not going to say anything else but that. Doesn't sound like they have to do that anymore. I don't know, uh, but if if they have a choice, I would recommend them finding something else. Anyway, yeah. uh, join the space the space uh, corps; it would be much better for you. Well, that's that's going to be missiles for sure, right? <laughs> yeah, but it's a cooler kind of missile, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and you might end up somewhere. Yeah. Uh, uh, but that said. Uh, Yes, uh, when I was there, uh, I did take the uh, LSAT uh, back in uh, Colorado Springs at Colorado College. Oh, I guess I did that right before I left. But uh, it was uh, 
It was uh, five years, and I was willing to uh, stay in the Air Force, uh, but the Air Force did not want to pay for my law school. So I had talked to everybody in the JAG department. They said, Steve, if you want to come back, you can. Uh, And so after three years of law school, I had some options, and going back was not one of them that I chose to exercise. So you did uh, all five years at Warren, F.E. Warren? I did. Well, except for training in Vanderbilt. But yes, it was uh, all in Cheyenne. Wow. No, So you never got a second uh, second batch of orders headed your way? Well, no. They usually, you know, missiles, they kind of, once they had you at that time, uh, they realized that most people were not going to choose that. We kind of, our class was kind of stuck with only certain career choices if you weren't a pilot. Uh, and that was one of them. Uh, and you could move around between other missile bases or go to or go to Offutt, uh after about four years. The people I know that got out of there were people like Tommy Wyman, who went, who got to go to pilot training. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had another guy, uh, Michael Aofson, uh that was supposed to go there, and then uh, they gave him a waiver, and he went right into medical school. Okay. Uh, uh, but that was like right at the the, the 11th hour because when he graduated, <laughs> he was going to missiles uh, and a few others. But for the most part, once you were in, you were in. And then you told me uh, law school went pretty well. Uh, uh, it went well enough. Uh, it was certainly <laughs> uh, after the academy. It I was just easier than the academy. <laughs> Yeah, it just wasn't the same academic load. Where you weren't taking as much academics, you were only taking 15 hours. You didn't have any calls on your time from either military or athletic. Uh, so you you had a lot more time to just study uh, and be prepared for what you needed to be prepared for. We were still just as competitive, so that made it easy. Not that lawyers aren't competitive, they seem to be. Uh, but I think that's just true of all, all professions. Uh, and, and so you just had more time available. It was just a matter of not wasting it. Um, and so you learned better time management. I think that's one of the pluses of the academy is you did learn time management. Hey, Steve, that was great. Thanks. Okay. Have fun, John. Thank you so much for starting this process. Uh, I know you'll get way better stories from many of the other folks, but, you know, I can't wait to hear and read about them because there's so many more experiences at the Academy that other folks had that I didn't or other folks who I never got to room with. Uh, and, you know, they were, our, they were my classmates. They were my yeah. squadron mates, but just just don't know them nearly as well as I do you. Well, this is going to be heavy uh, Pink Panther-centric at first, and uh, hopefully it'll spread, and that's the concept here. And thank you for being the first guy to to be the guinea pig on this thing. Well, you know, hopefully uh, you will get way better at this and you'll get way better answers. (laughs) But uh, I do know that, uh, you know, there's a reason why we still have the memories we do. And it's not necessarily, you know, we kind of forget most of the bad things or we just put them off as, you know, one of the things that worked is, you know, the bad was happening to all of us. Uh, 
So that was just the way it was no big deal. But, you know, to some extent it was a big deal. We lost people because the place was so hard on them or or it was so, so formal or so uncaring Uh, or they were enforcing quote, the spirit of the reg, even if the reg said something else and it didn't need to be that way. It was better when you had Robin Oles and they're doing things and inspiring people to be better. Uh, I'll give you another story just for right now between you and me. Okay. Uh, one of my good friends at law school, uh, his son, he was, he was a 71 grad. Okay. Okay. And, you know, he was at my wedding uh, or he was at my son's wedding. He's my son's godfather. Uh, just a great guy. Well, his oldest son went to the academy and was, was doing pretty fine. And he was, you know, going to be fine. Well, one, one, I think his junior year, I'm sorry, it was his sophomore year. He... When a wall went off base to go visit one of Rick's classmates who was teaching at CSU. Hmm. Well, you know that's you know the risk when you do that. Yeah. Uh, but but this was a time when he would have gotten away with it, except for when he gets there, they finds one of his own squatter mates, classmates. He's getting ready to leave, and here's this guy pitched down in the middle of the quad, drunk completely on his ass, and obviously needs help, right? So he helps get his classmate back home. Oh, man. And he gets caught doing it. Well, the next day when the AOC is interviewing the classmate, who, of course, when he gets back is absolutely completely drunk, He says, how the hell did you get back home? And, of course, the guy answers, Sanders got me back home. Well, the AOC knows Sanders is not, doesn't have anything. So instead of giving him a, like, five and two or something marginal, he rewards the guy who got drunk on his ass and he punishes the guy that brought back one of us alive uh, and takes away the guy's car, his car privileges until he's a senior. Wow. And, and makes him want, you know, do like 24 tours or something, you know, just completely throws the book at him. Yeah. And the other guy doesn't do anything at all. And it's like, wait a minute. You, Sanders did everything you want someone to do. Well, what you know, sad story. Well, Sanders got so unhappily pissed off at it, he's he left after two, after the first two years. Yeah, and you know, sometimes bad things happen to good to people. Uh, he's one of his friends took him to one of the local, you know, hangouts out here, and they did an illegal substance. Unfortunately for Sanders. He became extremely addicted to it, mm. uh, and he's doing better now. But it took years and years and hundreds of thousands of dollars and even time behind bars uh, before he got straight. 
Now, I'm not saying none of any of that wouldn't have happened otherwise, but I'm just saying when yeah, someone the way somewhere. the way it all started was because he didn't think he had been treated fairly, and he he hadn't been by yeah. what we are trained to do, which is you know step up to the plate and bring your man home, do the right thing. Yeah. So he did the right thing at risk to himself because otherwise he gets away with it. And yeah, you can give him mild punishment. That would have been fully expected, but you should have got given him some reward for bringing the guy home. No, nope. yeah, a medal with. Yeah, well, well, yeah. Well, the, the 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 reward would have been I'm only going to give you a, a five and two, right? Yeah. And and you really did the right thing, and we really appreciate it. No, no, just the opposite. And and so those are the little stories that you hear from. And some of our classmates had crap like that. I remember one of our classmates got kicked out, and I can't remember who he was. Cause he he was he was somebody from the valley in Texas, so. It wasn't favored at that time anyway, but he got kicked out because some airmen noticed he was hauling diapers off base. And so they investigated and found out he had two kids and his, his soon to be wife was living, you know, in one of the apartments downtown. Right. Hmm. Well, they kicked him out. Yeah. And they kicked him out for conduct on becoming an officer and a gentleman. Now, this is the same Air Force that a group commander knew one of his guys on group staff had two kids and was getting married as soon as he graduated. But he's on group staff, so that was okay. Who's the guy on group staff? Yeah. And so, you know, it's just a little crap like that. You go, that's not the way the game should be played, right? Yeah. yeah. And so I think that's where, you know – I hope it has gotten better. I don't know if it has. Uh, but we, you know, we didn't, you know, those are, again, not our stories or not our squad. Yeah, I was, but, I was somewhat innocent to some of that stuff. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't and, looking for it again. Well, we, we had our own issues. We had our own problems. Uh, yeah, I was, I was, I was Charlie I was buzzed with Charlie McGinnis, and he was the guy that took his own life our last semester. Yeah, and and like you said, we we had to work our ass off just to get through academically. Yeah, uh, I I didn't get a free pass academically. I had to keep working my butt off because you know I don't know I just didn't have the same academic ability in some of those classes uh, as other folks. I remember when you made the mock up of a uh, I don't know B seventeen. Yeah, and it was awesome. It was truly well inspired, uh, but you did that because you didn't want to write a paper. <laughs> well, we had to do something. I mean, yeah, yeah. Papers were part of it. We also had to do some something. Yeah, you had to do something, and 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 you know, everyone, you know, you did things that you could do just because you could do it. I can remember Paul Prang doing all the leather work. Uh, that he used to do, uh, like keychains and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, I never roomed with Paul either, but I bought some keychains. Uh, <laughs> and they still got one somewhere uh, that I gave to Kathy because, you know, it was one of the ones I got for her. Uh, but no, it's just you, you have little stories that 
I doubt if most of the people remember half the things they did. Uh, I truly don't remember grabbing ropes and doing all that crazy stuff uh, when I was boxing. Uh, what I remember, I just remember it vividly. Maybe it was the the final championship match or something. <laughs> but you would really psych the poor kid out. That was funny. <laughs> I re- yeah, I remember. I remember my first TKO, uh, and that was because I was fighting some poor Dooley, and he had a bad habit of you know if I if I hit him even if I didn't hit him hard. <laughs> What message or what uh, is your overall uh, address for both uh, cadets, families, and, and friends? Okay, first of all, I want to tell all new and future cadets, congratulations. Never doubt yourself. If you're at the academy, you deserve to be there, and you will be successful. Put in the work, put in the time, and you will do great. Believe in yourself. Second, bet on yourself. You will develop the skills and abilities needed to be successful at whatever you want to do. Whether you stay in the Air Force, whether you leave to go to med school or law school or any professional school, you will do fine. You will excel. You will have the skills needed to achieve whatever goals you set out. Set your goals high. Don't settle. Never settle. And finally, take control of your career path. The Air Force will slot you into positions because they need bodies in positions. Don't let them. Find the path you want to follow and make it happen. You can do so. There are sources that will help you, and you'll be much happier because you will find a path that gives you the passion and passion is what's going to take you to the next level. So believe in yourself, bet on yourself, and you will always win. Mm-hmm.